All right. Thanks for uh, coming back and uh, having a seat. And for those of you at home, we're glad you're with us, worshiping and and, uh, spending this time together. Uh, We are in a series on the book of John. And today, last week, we did our our, I did our, I, did, I wrapped two rabbit trails into one. So we looked at Shiloh and how the, um, the uh, Talmud, the, the Jerusalem Talmud and the Babylonian Talmud pinpointed uh, when the Messiah would be here and right at the time of Jesus and just an amazing, amazing bit of study. And then um, we did a little bit, we looked into godly sorrow versus worldly sorrow and knowing the difference and knowing how important it is to know the difference because it means so much. Um, all along now in John, as we've been studying this, Jesus has been teaching, and he's just been teaching to, to, to people who were there. He taught on the Sea of Galilee in a couple of different places. He taught in the temple. He taught outside the temple, various crowds, various groups of people. Always, almost always the Pharisees were there, and they would always kind of pipe up, give him, uh, try to give him uh, a hard time. Well, today, we're going to look at John chapter 10, verses 1 to 15. I just want you to notice here, as we start, I'm going to read it. He speaks very specifically now. He's speaking to the Pharisees. He's teaching everyone who's listening, including us. But he's speaking to the Pharisees, and it's a very pointed talk as you read this, if you think about it. He says, very truly, and just again, this is that in the Greek, it's truly, truly. It's a double it's like very, he's saying, I want you to listen to this. This is important. It's, um, I've said this before. It's like a parent with a child, a small child, and you're not sure if your child is listening, and you say, look at me. Look at me. Like that. Then they're listening. This is what Jesus is saying. So he says, I want you to listen to me. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from a stranger, run away from him, because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, and the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. They didn't realize he's being very pointed towards them. Therefore, because of that, Jesus said again, Truly, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. When the wolf attacks the flock, then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. So Jesus now, he's teaching. He's speaking very pointedly to the Pharisees. It's a very broad teaching for all of us, though. But the question then becomes, 
is we have to understand what is he talking about. In other words, what do they think of when they hear someone talk about sheep, shepherd, gate, all these things? What do they think of? Not what do we think of necessarily. What do they think of? Now, we, when we go through this, we get the picture. We understand what's being said. But there are some important things that I think we need to consider. First of all, I want to talk about the figure of speech. Jesus here is using a very common idea. This is very common to them. They see sheep and shepherds all the time, right? So it's a, it's a figure of speech that they would all be aware of, even if they're not personally that. If Jesus was here today and he started talking about building an aircraft carrier. He would be talking about something we are all familiar with because they only get made in Newport News, right? And so it would be something we would all know about. Even if we don't work there, we would know about it, right? We've seen the cranes. We've gone by. We've read, you know, we see that. So it's something they're very familiar with, and the idea of the gate and the idea of the shepherd are very interconnected. So we need to talk a little bit about shepherds and sheep and gates. So why did Jesus choose this figure of sheep, uh, this figure of speech, which is Sean the sheep, right? Why did he liken us to sheep, right? Okay, let me just bring something else up here just so I pay attention to Bob. It's not a compliment when he calls us sheep, just so you get that straight right away. It's, it's not a compliment. And, and, and I actually... I actually did, some, did a lot of research on this. Sheep are not stupid per se, right? They're not, they're not like incredibly stupid animals. Some people like to say that, but it's not really true. But the research shows that people think they're stupid for good reasons because sheep sometimes do weird things. Uh, they have a strong flocking behavior. That is, they like to be in groups, but they also yield to group pressure very easily. They tend to follow, and they're directionally challenged. Um, they tend, they're prone to wander and get themselves in difficult situations, and they have no ability to defend themselves. So even if they're not dumb, they need... I mean, this is like the movie Hook, one of my favorite movies, where he says to Captain Hook, you need a mommy very badly, and we need a shepherd very badly because of a lot of these reasons, all right? Interesting thing, just a reminder for us. We, in our farming methods, our agricultural methods, we, in the Western world, we drive sheep from behind. We drive cattle. In the Eastern world, and here's a picture from relatively, they lead their sheep. They don't drive their sheep. They lead them, and the shepherd would lead, and the shepherd would sometimes sing or call out their names because he had every sheep named. And this, this scripture we're looking at is absolutely true. He had every sheep named. She had every sheep named, and they knew their names. And so they would walk ahead and call out, and they'd glance back. And if one started getting a little bit off, you know, they'd, you know, they'd say, Friedrich, get back over here. That's a real Middle Eastern name, right? Get back over here. Get back in line. You know, they would call out to the sheep, and they say, oh, yeah, okay, I, I got lost, right, right? And they'd come back in, right? So, so the, this, is a very, this is a very important thing for us to, to think about in terms of application to us. The sheep follow the shepherd. They follow the shepherd, and that's where safety is. 
when they follow the shepherd. And another thing here that's key, I think, is no sheep. In, in, those, in those days, we have to understand, you know, Psalm 23 says he, he leads me into green pastures. And I always think it's about knee deep, you know, alfalfa or grass or, or wheat. And I just come in like a sheep, oh, this is great, you know, and just go, 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 go. Okay, that wasn't going on then. In the, in the land that was farmable, they definitely never let sheep in. They just, they just wouldn't allow sheep in because they would destroy the crops. And that land was too, it was too important just to grow grass or something that really wasn't, wasn't edible, right? So what they did is the shepherds led the sheep out into what they called the wilderness. Now, the wilderness is not the forest like we would often think. The wilderness is more like this. This is a picture of what would be considered where sheep would go. And in this picture, believe it or not, are the green pastures. And here's why. Shepherds back then and today, especially the Bedouins, Bedouin shepherds still know this. The Mediterranean Sea is just north of, of, of the Middle Eastern area there, right? Uh, not that far. In the evenings, the prevailing wind is coming from, from the north, moving south off the Mediterranean Sea. And so it's wind that has moisture. And when it would hit hills or, or mountains that are north-facing, that moisture would sweep up as the wind rolled up, and you have especially rocks, this is so detailed. I don't know if maybe this is a little too much. Rocks, and they're warm from the day. They're hot from the day. Cool moisture hitting hot. What happens? Condensation. And the water drips down the rocks, and around those rocks in those areas would be little sprigs, just like that. And they would lead their sheep along areas that had those little sprigs, a mouthful here, a mouthful there, And the idea was just enough. My shepherd will lead me. Well, I'll have just enough for today. Just enough for today. And so that's something I think we can really learn from. And so because of that, on north-facing hills, you often see this. Those are called sheep tracks. And when you come up on a north-facing hill, the shepherd would spread his sheep out in a line And they would just go right across each one. And and the goal was they tried to separate them just enough so that if I'm a sheep, I could go over here, 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 like myself, right? Just enough. Then the next sheep gets to right next to me almost, not quite, so that they have their sweep. And they would just lead their sheep across the hill, and that would create those tracks. And you, and you, you can see them in a lot of different places because it still happens today. So you'd see these sheep trails, each one getting just enough for today. Tomorrow will have its own problems, and sheep can't figure out tomorrow. So just enough for today, trusting God for the day. And so the shepherd leads the sheep. He doesn't drive them, just like Jesus leads us. Oftentimes, there's an old rabbinic saying that says, may you walk so closely that the dust, the, the dust from the sandals of your rabbi get on you. May you be covered with the dust of your rabbi. And it's that, that idea that, that disciples would follow the rabbi, oftentimes with a little something to scratch on or write on or whatever, and they'd follow their rabbi. 
And anything he said, because at any moment, there might be some nugget that comes out, and they want to write it down, and they get dusty from his sandals. That's why sometimes I'll say, may you be covered with the dust of your rabbi. May you be covered with the dust of Rabbi Jesus as we follow him closely. In those days, at night, you wanted your sheep to be in a pen. You would not get a wink of sleep if you were in the open area because they have a tendency to wander sometimes. And so throughout the countryside, there would be, and you can look it up, you can find tons of pictures of rock pens because it's a rocky area that would look something like this, sometimes round, just an opening on one side and a wall for the night. And the shepherd would sleep in the opening. He would sleep in the gate. So he would become in essence, the gatekeeper. Or when Jesus says, I am the door, that's what he's talking about right there. He, the shepherd becomes, oftentimes multiple shepherds, you know, because it gets kind of lonely, right? It gets lonely. Yeah, we all know that, right? It gets lonely when you're, and so they would, they would say, look, you know, the third day, meet at this pen. And multiple shepherds would meet. They'd bring their sheep in. They'd talk and tell stories. They'd sing songs. I mean, we see David, how he, he created so many of the Psalms while he was a shepherd. And then oftentimes there'd be a little lean-to, and they would sleep in the lean-to, except for one who would always go and sit in the gate, lay in the gate, because that's just to keep the sheep from leaving. And so Jesus is using these pictures. You have to understand, these, this is what they're thinking of. When he says, I'm the shepherd, they're thinking of that man, that woman, leading those sheep along, calling their names, keeping them in line. They think of him spreading them out so they get enough for today. That's what they think of. They think of him in the doorway, in the opening of a sheep pen. There'd be hundreds, there still are, but there would be hundreds of them all scattered all around because it's a rocky area. It was easy to find rocks. Hundreds of them scattered around so they knew they had a place at night. They did not want to sleep out in the open. So one shepherd would be the gate. He would be charged with keeping them safe throughout the night. And protection for the sheep was being only allowed in and out. Then in the morning, these shepherds, we, we, I know we talked to some of you, oh, we've always we talked about this so much, but if there's three or four shepherds, one shepherd gets up, he moves just outside the gate that you see there, and he starts calling, you know? He starts calling each one of his sheep by name, and they know their names. They've heard those names, you know, Dancer and Prancer and, you know, all these ones. He'd call their names, and out they would come, you know. And each sheep, there'd be maybe 100 sheep, and he's got 30 in his flock. He'd start calling these names, and you see sheep going, oh, that's my guy. And they'd head for the opening. And you see the other sheep going, that's not my guy, that's not my guy. Move, move, get away, get away. And they'd, they would pull away, and then the right ones would come out. Then the next shepherd would get up, and he'd pull his out. So finally the last shepherd would get up, and he'd call his out. So this is what they're thinking of. So apply that as we read something like this. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. So there's multiple shepherds involved here. And the sheep listen to his voice. He calls out his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. They hear it. How did they learn it? Through time. 
He called them that name. You know, we talk about the importance in our lives of reading the, reading the Bible, of spending time in prayer, of meditating on Scripture. Why is that important? Because we're learning to follow, and it doesn't happen instantly. It's a process. And so all these people who are listening right now to this, when Jesus is teaching it, this is what they're thinking of. Right? So understanding that helps us. This is what they're thinking of. But let's talk about the implications here. Because Scripture tells us there's a way that seems... There's a way that seems right, but in the end, it leads to death because sheep need to be protected and watched closely. And Jesus is saying, this is us. We are spiritually helpless. We need someone like that. We think we, we, think we know what's best, and we're constantly making bad decisions. You know, you think about it. In the course of your life, some of you thinking back, it's not that hard, it's not that far. Some of us, it's much further. You remember when you were in elementary school? When I was in elementary school, the, the, the middle school was right there, kind of connected. And I remember seeing my older brother, one of my older brothers, out playing with his friends. And I just thought, they're so cool. I can't wait till I get to middle school. Then, <laughs> top of the world, baby. It'll be so great. Then you get to middle school, and what happens? Man, those high schoolers, they can drive. It's going to be so cool. It's going to be so great. When I get to high school, it's going to be the greatest. Then you get to high school, right, and you start thinking maybe college or maybe thinking, no, when I get to high school, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to have money. It's going to be great, right? So you get out of high school, you go to college. It's like, ah, this is hard. But once I get out of college, I'm going to have a job. I'm going to have money. It's going to be great. Then you get a job. You get money. It's not so great. It's hard. You go, wait, all these people are taking my money. I didn't know this when I lived with my parents, right? I didn't understand electric bills and water bills and taxes and all that stuff. I remember when one of my daughters first started working, and she said, I made more than this. And I said, no, you didn't. Look at there. That tells you what God took. So that's what you made. They took that. This is what you get. Nice lesson, right? Yeah, it's a nice lesson. This is what happens. We always think, we always think, what's next is better? What's next is better? What's next is better? We're sheep. We think that our past self, I think that the Bob 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I think, oh, some of the things I did, the clothes I wore, I was an idiot. Why did I do those things? We always think our past self was an idiot, and our present self has finally grown out of it. Right? Think back to how you were in high school. Ah, it just hurts to think about it sometimes. Or think how you were in elementary school. It hurts to think about it. Think, ah, I'm so glad I've grown out of that. But the problem is, we haven't. Because guess what? In 10 years you're going to look back to today and say, oh, what was I thinking? I was an idiot. Because we never grow out of it. We never grow out of it. I read an author, he said, uh, you're always a jerk and you're always thinking you've just gotten over being a jerk. And Jesus, Jesus tells us what you need is a shepherd. You need a shepherd. You need to follow. You need guidance. 
And he, and he calls us by name. What is the deal with names? Names are a huge thing, especially back then. Not as much in these days. But back then, names meant status. They meant significance. They meant, they would always say, you know, uh, um, 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 Jesus, like if they were going to talk about Jesus, Joseph being Jesus' father, they would say, Jesus bar Joseph. That would be like his name. This identifies who I am. This is my clan. This is my people. This is who I belong to. These are mine. Names were important like that. They gave significance. They gave status. Remember at the Tower of Babel, Babel, what did they say? They said, we will make a name for ourselves. What are they saying? We're going to do it. We don't need God. We're going to make ourselves great. We're going to make ourselves significant. We're going to get glory. That whole thing we've been talking about with Jesus and going back, looking at some of the other passages that talk about that, we're glory grabbers because we lost it. We're constantly seeking it, trying to get it. And so a name is important that way. A name can mean a mission. Abram became Abraham. Simon became Peter. Names mean distinctiveness. They say, they say who I am. This is who I am. That's why, you know, sometimes we sing, I am a child of God. There's my significance. I'm a child of God. I'm a follower of Jesus. And he knows us. He knows us intimately. He knows the dumb sheep things we do. He knows all the things we're going to do. And he still loves us. He still loves us. That unconditional love. I mean, you think about it. Guys, think about this. What if before you got married, your wife was informed of all the stupid things you would do in the next 30 years? With that knowledge, do you think she might think twice? She might say, I'm not sure. I didn't know he was that dumb. Right? It's just a thought question. I'm, right now, I'm seeing couples discussing. No, don't. It's just a thought question. This is not a time to bring that up. In fact, I probably should not have brought that up. But you understand what I'm saying? We, 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 we are sheep. And Jesus knows all the things we will do. He knows all the things we've done, and he still loves us. And it's not like, uh, you know, Bob is a loose. He's such a dope. He's a bad sheep. He's a pain sometimes, but I guess I got to put up with him until I bring him up to heaven and he finally gets right. No, he loves us now. He loves us now, unconditionally. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd always. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, now he's looking right at the Pharisees. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The worst thing he can do to the flock is to scatter it because then they become individuals all alone. The man runs away because he is hired and cares nothing for the sheep. And so we have this, 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 this suddenly this hired hand. He brings us in. It's the person who's got, he's got no stake in it. And he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. He says, we're having a similar relationship. You realize the love he has for his Father, he has for you. The love the Father has for Jesus, he has for you. He says, it's just like that. Just like that. And I lay down my life 
for the sheep. I lay down my life for the sheep. The hired hand's only in it for himself. His focus is what's best for me. When we deal with people in positions of authority, when we deal with people in, in business situations, whether it's politics, whatever it is, beware of the people whose focus is always on them. They do not have your interests at heart. They do not have your interests at heart. And so when things get tough, you can't depend on the hired hand because your best interests are not his first thought. The sheep's best interest is not his first thought. His first thought is, that's a wolf. I could get mauled. He's probably going to take one or two sheep. I find those losses acceptable. When the owner of the sheep might not. So you see, your value to Jesus is this. He's willing to die for you. That little word translated for literally means in the place of, on behalf of. Literally, he's saying, I lay down my life in the place of my sheep, on behalf of my sheep. So here we see the key point that Jesus dies on our behalf because of his great love for us. In Hebrews, it tells us who Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, for the joy set before him. That's you. That was the joy that he said, it's worth it. It's worth it. So interestingly, I love this because the gospel always, gospel always lifts us up and always pushes us down. It always humbles us and exalts us at the same time. And here's another illustration of that. For him to use us as a comparison, to use us to say we're the sheep is a little bit insulting. That would have been insulting to the hearers back then. Sheep were not considered prized animals in that sense. And yet, he's willing to die for the sheep, which lifts us up. He says, this is how much I prize you. I prize you this much. I love you this much. He's willing to die for us so that the life we were made for becomes possible. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, that I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. Again, he's talking to the Pharisees. But the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so now he uses that word for life that we've gone over a number of times because he keeps using this over and over. He talks about, in the Greek, there's two words. There's the bio, I know you guys know this, but there's always people listening. In the Greek, there's bios, which means just living, breathing, eating, drinking, functioning, heart beating. That's bios life. And then there's zoe life, and that's a life that has meaning, a life that has significance, a life that gives me a purpose for living, a joy in doing something. Zoe, and then Jesus, what does he do? He tacks the word internal onto Zoe to make sure they understand what he's talking about is a life here and now serving God that's worth living, that gives us purpose and meaning in our lives and stretches into the future, into infinity. He says that's, that's eternal Zoe. Bios is simply existing. Eternal bios is hell. It's just existing. No purpose, no meaning, no sense of accomplishing something that accomplishes a greater good. 
no sense of accomplishing something that could last for eternity. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the opportunity on a daily basis, possibly, to impact people's lives, to say something, to do something that could impact them for eternity. For eternity. That is eternal Zoe. That is what we are all made for. And that is what everyone is looking for in this world. Everyone is looking for. And so he says, I came that you're going to have that Zoe and have it to the full. Now, this is an interesting word, to the full, because we, we tend to think it means to the good, like e, super good. And really what it means is the whole breadth of everything. In other words, you will experience things that people will not experience because you're a Christian and you highs. You will experience lows that some people will not experience because you're a Christian. Because we sense that eternity is at stake in the lives of people around us. And so he's saying, I'm going to give you this life, this zoe that gives you purpose and meaning. That gives you a reason to live and accomplish things on this earth. Because as Christians, we begin to realize that these are matters of life and death. And so it will hurt when, when we see people go a hurtful way. And it will hurt when we see people suffering. And it will hurt when we see people dying. We should be the people who want to spread this message of hope that the eternal Zoe is now available through Jesus Christ. So those are implications. Let me just give you some quick applications. First of all, we are to follow him in every aspect of life. The, the, the shepherd took total care of the sheep. Uh, if you read Psalm 23, you see some of that total care of the sheep. It talks about, you anoint my head with oil. That is healing. He's the physician for the sheep, right? He's the provider for the sheep. He leads them to these pastures. You serve me. I'm at this banquet in front of my enemies. He's a protector. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me because you're bringing, you're bringing protection into my life. And sometimes you're bringing discipline into my life for my own good. That's a comforting thing. You know, usually when we come to Christ, I mean, I know this is how it happened with me. When I, I came to know Jesus, it's usually one big issue that's driving us. But over time, we have to understand he wants it all. It's not just that one issue. Jesus wants to be the shepherd of every aspect of your life. And so the question then becomes, are there parts of your life right now that you know have not been yielded to God. He wants it. He wants it. He wants, to be, he wants to be your Lord over that part of your life because then he leads you better. You follow closer. Second thing, application. We're to follow him in every aspect of our life without reservation. Without reservation. All right? He gives us unconditional love. And he, he asks us to follow. Follow me. He asks us to trust. You know, it's interesting um, reading on some of this because one of the things they were saying is that when a sheep wanders off and gets lost, they tend to panic. And the panic can be so overwhelming that the sheep sometimes will even run from the shepherd. They're in such a panic, they see the shepherd and they run away from the shepherd. And so then what has to happen is the shepherd has learned you come slowly, you talk gently, you call their name, you calm them down to try to bring that panic down. It doesn't always work. 
I was reading one guy, he was saying every once in a while, the sheep would kind of look at me and go, oh, oh, no, I don't trust you. And the sheep would start running. He says, then I just book it. I dive, I tackle the sheep. And then I tie his forelegs and I tie his hind legs because I don't trust him now. He's going to run away at a moment's notice. I put him over my shoulders and I carry him back. And I carry him back. And so I thought, I thought about this at times... Sometimes in our lives, when things are rough and we think, God, this is hard. Why are you doing this to me? You are being rough with me. At times God can even seem rough. But think about this. We thought about the perspective of the people who are hearing this and what they thought of with the sheep. But let's just for a second, I always try to do this kind of stuff and it's kind of weird, I know. But think about this from the perspective of the sheep. All right? So you're the sheep. You, you thought you saw some green grass over to one side, and you kind of went over, and there was some. And so you go, oh, no, 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 eating up, eating up, eating up. And you turn, and, man, they're so far away, I don't know if I can catch them. Oh, there's another green grass. So you go to the next green grass, and now they're out of sight. And you don't know which way it's going. And you panic, right? Because sheep can panic easily. And so you're sitting there going, ah, my life is falling apart. Where the heck is that stupid shepherd? He's not doing his job. So then you see the shepherd, and he's trotting over towards you. And you're like, well, there he is. Ooh, he looks upset. Run! And you start running, right? So the shepherd starts running. So now what's going on? The shepherd's running, and you go, oh, my goodness, he's going to kill. And then wham, he tackles. Ah, he's being so rough. It's like the Monty Python, if you watch Monty Python. See the violence inherent in the system. You know, he goes, this is inherent violence. See how he's attacking me. It's a good movie to see that kind of stuff. Anyway, he's like, ah, he's tackled me. Oh, no, what is he going to do? He's going to kill me. That's what he's going to do. So you're kicking and flailing. So he has to tie your feet. You have to tie your feet. He's tying me up. It's not fair. Not fair. I want freedom. Right? He's a Scottish sheep. Freedom. He's, he's denying me my rights. I want the freedom to walk just like every other sheep. He's denied. He's taken away my rights. Haven't you read the Constitution? You know, you're just like, ah, oh, this is what the sheep is thinking, right? And the shepherd throws him over his shoulders and he brings him back. And he's like, oh, man, he's going to beat me in front of all the other sheep. I'm going to be made of, you know, and he goes and he cuts and he says, now get in there. And he gets back in. It's like, oh, yes, ah, good. Did you guys miss me? You know, and he's just, just, life moves on, right? You, you imagine that from the, this is our standpoint sometimes. This is horrible. Where's God? I thought he loved me. I tried to serve him. I did my devotions this week. Why is this happening to me? He's not fair, not fair. That's what can happen to us. The sheep does not have the perspective to understand what is happening. And sometimes we don't have the perspective to understand what's happening. And God says, trust me, I have the perspective. Trust me, there's more going on here than you know. Trust me. Are there things in your life where God is saying, trust me, but you're afraid and you can't let it go? You keep worrying about it. The anxiety can kill you. And God is saying, trust me, 
I have a perspective that you can't see. So we follow him in every aspect of life, he says, without reservation. And then this is personal. We personally follow him. See, it's not just saying, Jesus saying, follow my teaching. That's a part of it. It's not just Jesus saying, follow my example. That's a part of it. But Jesus is saying, follow me personally, intimately, based on a love relationship. Follow me. Why? Because he's not just a king, although he is. Not just a savior. Not just the creator. He's also a friend. All of these things wrapped up together point towards the fact that we have this an intimacy. And friends communicate. Friends spend time together. Friends learn about each other. Friends talk to each other. Friends tell the truth to each other. And Jesus is saying, that's what I want with you. That's what I want. That's where eternal zoe lies. As you follow me, as one of my sheep, I've given you a name. I call you, and I want you to follow I want to close. I just want to read. I mean, I know this gets read all the time at funerals and all kinds. It's just a catch-all thing that everybody has a little bit of knowledge of. But let me read Psalm 23. He says, The Lord is my shepherd. I like nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Okay, that's different than what we thought before, maybe. He leads me beside quiet waters or still waters. No danger there. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us never to take it for granted, the, 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 the truths and the power that is inherent in your word creates change in our lives so that we can follow our shepherd more closely. Help us to want to do that. And Lord, thank you that you love us even though you know our failures, maybe in the past, maybe even today, and the ones that are coming. Your love is unequivocal. It just never stops. And we thank you for that. Lord, help us as we leave this place to have a sense of this life that you have for us, this adventure of never knowing what may be around the corner, what person we may see even later today whose whose life we can affect in a way that may that may affect them for eternity. Help our eyes to be open to those situations and ready for them. In Jesus' name, amen.